Welcome to the Eat Right Nutrition Podcast, where we partner with experts in the health, wellness, and nutrition field to deliver you an excellent variety of content based on real science, real facts, and real food. I'm your host, Aron. And I'm Nicole. And today we're talking about nutrition for health, performance, and physique. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Eat Right Nutrition podcast, episode number 53. Today, we're going to talk about the differences between nutrition for health, nutrition for performance, and nutrition for physique, because they are very different. And I do think that people sometimes get the misconception that what you do for one carries over into the other. There are some significant differences, as well as some similarities between them. So we do want to dive into this topic and explain some of the differences between health performance and physique. So Nicole, let's dive into the differences between nutrition for health, performance, and physique. We were starting with health. Let's start with health. Okay. I think the first thing we need to do when we're talking about health is kind of define what health is. And I think healthy means something different for each individual. Healthy is kind of one of these things where it's very, there has to be context behind it. Mm -hmm. And it's very kind of like, well, it depends. And the reason why I say that is because oftentimes one of the first things that people, when I, when people find out what I do, mm -hmm. they start asking, well, what about this food? Is this healthy? Or what about this food? Is this healthy? And I'm like, dude, like we're just in a social gathering here. Like <laughs> we really have to talk about this right now, <laughs> which listen, don't get me wrong. I love talking about health and nutrition and fitness and, you know, all the things that I do because I love what I do. But, you know, that's one of the first things that comes up. And my answer is always, well, it depends because there really isn't a food that is necessarily considered healthy or not healthy. Everything is in context. And mm -hmm. what I typically like to tell people and what I think that you guys should understand is that you have to look at the big picture of what your diet looks like. I can say a donut is either healthy or unhealthy in the context of how your entire day looks. Right. I was going to say the rest of your food for the day. Exactly. I can fit in a donut into my plan within the parameters that I set for myself and I can eat it at a certain time like after my workout and then that could be beneficial for me. Or for example, if I do uh, one of my long bike rides on the weekend and mm -hmm. I eat a donut right after that, I mean, that's going to be fuel because I've depleted glycogen. Mm -hmm. So everything is in context. Now, listen, if you're eating donuts every single day, that's probably I'm going to tell you that's probably not going to be the healthiest thing to do. But, you know, when we're looking at individual foods, there's not really one food that is really unhealthy. healthy. I mean, listen, you can eat 20 bananas a day and that probably be will be unhealthy for you. Mm -hmm. So it's important to kind of put that into context and, you know, have you guys understand that healthy means something different for each individual. And when we're looking at health, we're typically looking at biomarkers. Mm -hmm. And this is, these are the ways that we measure health, right? So we look at your blood pressure. We look at your cholesterol we look at your hormonal health and, you know, your testosterone, your estrogen, your progesterone. We look at thyroid hormones. 
We look at cortisol. We look at all of the hormones in your body. We look at your blood sugar. And these are what are called biomarkers. And they give us an indication as to what's going on inside of the body, right? We can look at liver function and look at AST and ALT. We can look at the kidneys and we can look at BUN, which is blood urea nitrogen, or we can look at creatinine and we can look at the uh, bun creatinine ratio. And that'll tell us, okay, well, how are our kidneys functioning? So all of these things we use together to say, okay, well, are you healthy? And one of the other things that we look at is your weight. Specifically, we look at when we look at health, we look at weight distribution, especially around the midsection, right? This is what's called visceral fat. And that's the fat that really is associated with metabolic syndrome, which is, you know, type two diabetes, hypertension, hyperlipidemia, right? All of these things that can have an adverse effect. And what we find is that weight held in the midsection is generally more unhealthy than if you're holding it in any other part of your body, like your legs or your arms, right? So we have to kind of look at that. And, you know, some of this weight in the midsection is associated with increased cortisol from stress. So if you're stressed out, um, that's going to be uh, more driven to the midsection. And if we're looking at insulin as well, insulin insensitivity, or we'll say insulin resistance, uh, that tends to drive more fat to the midsection. So in looking at these things, we want to say, okay, well, what are these biomarkers saying? And how, how does the whole kind of big picture look? Mm -hmm. I would also add your exercise function. How far can you walk? How, how long can you do cardio? Like markers of health also are wrapped into your um, movement, daily movement. Yeah. And how do you feel when you're moving? Right. So you started to say that every individual has a different definition of what healthy is and that there's different roles that nutrition plays in where your health markers start. Like, are you someone that's completely healthy and have has all good health markers in terms of blood pressure, cholesterol, et cetera? Or are you someone that's entering in under nutrition for health with some of these preset issues? Like someone that has diabetes is coming in for nutrition for health. Someone that has high blood pressure, cholesterol is coming in to see us for nutrition for health. That's where we're starting with them. So I think one of the things to point out here for nutrition for health is where is the baseline in terms of not only the client's knowledge or, you know, listener's knowledge towards nutrition, and then where they're starting in their journey from a nutrition and exercise standpoint. So that's where we're, we're starting in terms of like baseline or ground level. Because nutrition for health is really just about getting the basics down. This is how I really explain it to clients that come in that I have, you know, that are coming in with issues and I say, okay, let's get, let's get all of the baseline work down. How, you know, how much water are you drinking? What type of protein are you eating? Do you even know what a protein is? Do you know how much fat you're intaking? Like we're really just wiping the slate clean and getting them in at a baseline level to get yeah. them started, you know? And, and, you know, here's the thing is that, you know, oftentimes people will come in and they'll be like, well, I want to lose weight. And I'm, it's like, well, why do you want to lose weight? It's like, well, because because I want to focus on my health. I think it's healthier. Right. And for some people, they right. don't even need to do that. And it's just like, well, you know what? You're healthy. You're lean. Like, why get why focus on getting leaner? I, I think we need to kind of even put that into context. Right. Mm -hmm. you, if the if if your nutrition plan is driving you crazy and you're stressed out trying to stay on track all the time, like that's going to drive up stress and that's not going to be healthy for you either. So I think one of the biggest things, Nicole, is that nutrition for health is more about balance than anything yes. else. 
Speak. Right. And then this is where we get into the well, is a donut healthy? Well, is it going to drive you nuts to not eat it? Because if yeah. that's the case, then just eat the fucking donut. Find a way to fit it in the parameters that you set for yourself. Listen, yeah. at the end of the day in coaching, what's important to me is, you know, calorically speaking, are you overeating calories mm -hmm. when you shouldn't be or are you under eating calories when you shouldn't be? Yep. Are you creating deficits every once in a while? Like Nicole, you and I talked about in that episode when we did intermittent fasting, that mm -hmm. my conclusion to that is it is healthy for you to every once in a while eat in a small deficit for health reasons. Now, you know, are you doing these things in balance and mm -hmm. are you all you have to do is be within the parameters that you set for yourself. So if you say, hey, I want to be at maintenance calories and that's 2000 calories a day. OK, great. So what foods are you fitting in? Right. In that case, you want to mostly eat healthy, quote mm -hmm. unquote, kind of healthy foods. Again, healthy food is kind of contextual, but you want to eat mostly whole foods. You want to eat whole grains. You want to make sure you're getting adequate protein. You're making sure that you're eating protein frequently throughout the day. Uh, you want to make sure that you're having small meals. You're getting adequate fiber. You're getting more fruits and vegetables. You're getting nutrient dense foods. That's what a healthy plan looks like. And it's probably about 80% nutrient dense foods. Right. And then 20% like, hey, you know what? I want to eat the donut or I feel like having a slice of pizza. Yeah. And for our fat loss clients and weight loss clients, you can do that as well. You might get there a little bit slower, but you'll get yeah. there and you'll stay there. So, you know, when it comes to a uh, the standpoint of looking at nutrition for health, mental health is part of that process, too, because right. you'll go nuts and go off the deep end. And then you'll be like, all right, cool. I'm binging out on stuff. And that's not going to be good for you either. Well, see, this, this is where I feel like I feel like nutrition for health. This is probably the most important piece of today's episode, because so many people are chasing the goal that they're trying to achieve weight loss, whatever it may be before the health aspect. And I say this to clients all the time. My main job is to keep you healthy and then how we get and and doing that and however the goal, whatever the goal is getting you there in a healthy way. So teaching and learning all of these aspects of healthy nutrition. The other thing I also would say is my definition of healthy nutrition is maintenance calories. I don't believe you need to be cutting or building or manipulating anything. If you are at maintenance and eating to just live, you can exercise to your fullest potential. You're kind of just coasting along and everything feels great. So I always tell clients when I get them and especially now where everybody's trying to get ripped and shredded. I hear those words all the time. I'm like, you're not even in a healthy place to get ripped and shredded. Like the reason why we picked healthy nutrition first in this conversation today is that you have to be healthy <laughs> with your nutrition exercise in order to get to the next step in terms of building muscle, cutting back cut calories or being in a deficit to create weight loss. So health always is going to be number one. And I learned this way back in my nutrition days at school, where if your body isn't in a healthy state to start, no matter what you do, you're never going to get to the goal that you want to get because you have to be functioning correctly in order for those things to, you know, really take. Right. Take so, flight. so that's like one of those things that we often talk about is like, you know, mitochondrial health, mm -hmm. 
we talk about metabolic adaptations to mm -hmm. uh, stress inoculation, right? Hormesis, which some some level of stress, small stress inoculation on the body over time, right? It strengthens your immune system. It strengthens mm -hmm. your, your whole body, your metabolism, right? So these are things that you want to work on. But, you know, I would say, Nicole, like you said, okay, well, ma it's maintenance calories. And that's what is quote unquote healthy. I think also this is one of those tough topics for us to talk about because you know i would even take it a step further and say well it depends are you overweight if you're overweight well of course it'll be healthy for you it'll be healthy for you to lose some body fat right so, but still most people that are overweight not all but most this is where these these topics over lie like healthy versus cutting calories to be to lose weight to become healthy you're absolutely right they all kind of intertwine but at the same time, someone that's trying to lose weight, yes, they have to eat less calories, but they don't have to eat in such a deficit to your point earlier that they're being tortured by food. And I do believe that most people that are trying to lose weight now are trying to do it in the most aggressive, shortest, fastest, unhealthy way, which just sets them up to be more unhealthy later on, even if they achieve the weight loss goal, they gain it all back. And then they end up yo-yoing. So I feel like setting them up to lose weight at a small calorie deficit with good quality foods in the healthiest way possible out the gate is going to set them up for long-term success. But you're right. I think this also, isn't just one piece. For I sure. think also, Nicole, and even with fat loss clients like this, one of the things that, you know, it's like that concept of like when people are like, oh, man, I'm not getting results. And I'm like, yeah, on the scale. But how do you feel? How are you sleeping? Right. All these things, because the first thing that happens when you change your nutrition in a healthier way is that you feel a lot better. And I think that oftentimes people aren't valuing that enough. Being healthy is feeling healthy. You want to be energetic throughout the day. You want to be getting a good night's rest. You want to wake up in the morning and feel rested. You want you know, you don't want your joints to ache anymore. It's all of these things that you experience on a day to day basis where you're just like, I just feel unwell. And I do think oftentimes that when people are unhealthy for prolonged periods of time, they just think that that's just their normal selves and they don't know what yeah. it's like to feel healthy. Yeah. But if you make changes and in a, in a minute, I'm going to talk about these changes and what they are. If you make these small changes over a period of time, you start to actually feel better. And you're like, oh, man, like this is how my body is supposed to feel and function and work for me. Mm -hmm. Right. Your body's supposed to work for you. It's not supposed to work against you. So yeah. I think the biggest theme when it comes to eating healthy or being healthy is balance, taking a balance, a little bit more of a kind of liberalized approach where you're allowing yourself a little bit of leeway, but also don't mm -hmm. kid yourself, right? Because we've right. seen this time and time again, where people kid themselves and they just are like, yeah, I'm balanced. And I had I a box of donuts yesterday and I'm going to have some cookies yeah. today. Like, we're talking realistically like 80, 20, 80% of the time you're on track, 20% of the time you're eating foods that you enjoy and accepting slow progress along the way. And just knowing that you're supposed to be feeling better. And once you start feeling better and more energetic, then that's when you know that it's clicking and it's working and you're feeding your body and fueling it efficiently. Some of those changes that need to be made when you're taking a healthy approach, just like we talked about those nutrient dense foods is you want to make sure that you're covering nutrient deficiencies and you can test this in your lab work. And one of the biggest things that I say in terms of nutrient deficiencies is your vitamin D. 
make mm-hmm. sure that your vitamin D levels are anywhere between about 50 to 70, right? Mm-hmm. Depending on what research you're looking at, it might be even 50 to 100. But the deficiency level is typically, depending on what lab you're going to, it's below 20 or 30. To me, if you're, let's say it's 30 is the threshold and you're at 35, that's not ever enough for me. There's deficient and there's optimal. So you want to make sure that your nutrient levels are optimal. You want to make sure that your vitamin B12 is in an optimal level. And if it's not, find out why you're not absorbing it. Uh, Is it a gut issue or is it just that you're not consuming enough of it? Now, for our vegetarian or vegan audience, if you're out there somewhere, if you exist, I don't know. But for those people, you obviously want to make sure that you're taking some type of supplement because nutrient deficiencies to me, like, yes, I've heard people argue that, oh, well, you know, our hunter gatherer ancestors, they weren't in the sun all the time and they didn't have supplements and they didn't have access to food all the time. So they were deficient, but that doesn't make it okay. Right. That doesn't mean that we are okay with being deficient in anything. So first and foremost, you want to, eat the rainbow in fruits and veggies. You want to make sure that you're getting adequate protein. And there's a lot of vitamins that are coming along with that adequate protein, right? There are a lot of minerals coming with your plant-based foods, your vegetables that you're eating, a lot of magnesium, zinc. What else? In a nutshell. (laughs) Yeah. So in a nutshell, you're saying get all the rainbow, get all the balance that you can. Don't make it so aggressive and just make sure you're testing and you know, well within the range of all things that we consider health markers are healthy. And then depending on where you're entering into that healthy and what the goal is to get healthy in your, for you as the individual, that's ultimately what healthy nutrition kind of. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, obviously we want to talk about other things like, um, you know, your physical activity, are you working out on a regular basis? Are you getting cardio at least once or twice a week? And are you, hydrating yourself. So for those of you out there, you you know that I'll say half your body weight in ounces per day is typically what we recommend in terms of how much water you should drink and your biomarkers, right? Like, listen, healthy to you might mean like, Hey, you know what? The doctor said that my hemoglobin A1C or my blood sugar is elevated. Like one of those that are kind of telling you, okay, like, Hey, something's a little bit out of whack with your sugar. Maybe you're insulin resistant. Maybe like you're, you're just, you just need to, you know, clean it up with the carbohydrates, the sugars, the processed foods, the excess calories, you know, somebody coming to me like that with some blood sugar issues, I, you know, I'm going to be like, all right, cool. Like this is what we're doing to get you specifically healthy. healthy. Right. Or yeah. somebody with hyperlipidemia, right. Their cholesterol's out all out of whack or their triglycerides are high. We want to make sure that we're doing things to drive that in the right direction. So for that person, healthy might mean, okay, well, you know what? Let's try and draw, take down our omega-6 fatty acid consumption. So let's start to look at foods that contain things like um, soybean oil or corn oil, canola oil, vegetable oil, right? A lot of these processed refined foods that will contain a ton of omega-6 fatty acids. Let's start either eating more fish or supplementing with omega-3 fatty acids. And let's watch our overall calorie and our sugar intake and our fat intake as well. Right. So for that individual, 
driving down that cholesterol and those blood lipids is going to be important. And these are the things that we want to do, right? So this is what I mean by, you know, it's kind of difficult for us to kind of just general blanket statement, but the overall most important things when it comes to that is a balance, B hydration, then protein, uh, your, your fruits and vegetables, your quality foods, your, your nutrient density, and then, you know, making sure that you're getting adequate activity. Mm -hmm. All right. So let's move on to, I think where I think people get things confused often. Mm -hmm. And I think it's performance versus physique. This is the one I, that I really want to dive into. Nicole, I know you say that the health piece is the most important one, but to me, this is the most interesting one. Well, this is definitely, I agree on the interesting part, but you got to be healthy in order to perform. That's for sure. Yeah. I mean, listen, baseline, if you're healthy, obviously that's first and foremost, you're, but you want your body to work efficiently. Mm -hmm. Now an unhealthy body won't really perform that well and you'll probably it can still perform eh, i don't <laughs> but know just not as optimally as most people that come to us are looking to listen it can perform but if it's healthier it can perform better right that's my point so when someone comes to us and says i have a performance goal um a marathon an iron man help me a sport that they're playing that they want to get better at whatever it may be you can't sugarcoat or skip out on your nutrition in order for these goals to be achieved. You definitely have to be dialed in. And I think in a very different way than you would if, you know, you're just looking to create a, a better physique. So let's talk about performance. And Nicole, you and I talked about this before. And I think performance is a either maintenance or surplus based strategy. Mm -hmm, I would agree. Uh, surplus being what is going to take to make you stronger if your sport or your activity that you're performing in requires you to become stronger, right? If you're playing football and you need to get stronger, you do that in a surplus. If right. you are a, a marathon runner, maybe you'll want to be in or, or an endurance athlete. Maybe you'll want to be in more of a maintenance, mm -hmm. but you want to make sure that you're replenishing. There's a lot to replenish there. So here's the thing where when it comes to performance versus physique, and I oftentimes don't think that people really realize this, is that a lot of the research that I've seen on performance athletes is carried over into physique. Mm -hmm. And it's like, okay, well, you know, here are some athletes in, I mean, listen, physique athletes are athletes as well, but it's very different, right? Yeah. So here are some athletes that are required to perform. And here's the research on them. And let's use that for, let's say, the bodybuilding community, too. And we have to be very careful when we do that and vice versa as well. Right. When you look at studies on increasing muscle protein synthesis for physique athletes, and then you take that research and you say, OK, well, this is the most effective way to increase muscle protein synthesis. And I'm like, well, but for who? Right. Like mm -hmm. and. Okay. So for example, I'll use like the, uh, the 24 hour window that we used to think for pro for food, right. For refeeding mm -hmm. after your workout. Right. So consuming mm -hmm. a protein after your workout, there's the anabolic window. You need protein right away, which we used to think I felt fell victim to that too. And supplement industries had a field day with that mm -hmm. because the supplement industry, the, these companies were like, all right, great. Like we're driving our product. Like you need our product after your workout, right? You need a fast digesting, fast absorbing source of protein immediately after workout. And people still think that, right? Mm -hmm. So now what we've learned is that the anabolic window is not really a window. It's a giant door. It's like, <laughs> you know, I've heard people explain it as a garage door, 
Yeah. Right. So it's bigger. It's it's more like 36 to 48 hours. And we've taken that research and we've said, OK, after a weightlifting bout, how long is muscle protein synthesis increased for? And when you consume protein, that also elevates muscle protein synthesis. So how long is that window that you have that opportunity to keep muscle protein synthesis elevated? Now, obviously, immediately after it's high and then probably for the first 24 hours, it maintains pretty high and then it starts to taper down and you have less of an effect there. But what's interesting is that we've taken that for weightlifters and we've said, okay, well, performance athletes, you don't need to consume protein immediately after your workout because look at this research on weightlifters that shows that muscle protein synthesis is increased over longer periods of time. So you can wait until the next day or you can wait until a few hours later, but there's more to a performance athlete than just muscle, right? You're moving differently. And you're also using different energy systems than you would as just a lifter, mm -hmm. right? And then we're also not taking into account, we're also looking at just muscle protein synthesis and we're not looking at, okay, well, what else is protein good for? It's good for hormones. Mm -hmm. It's good for, it's like it has an anti-catabolic effect and so do carbs, right? So feeding carbs after your uh, performance bout as well. And the flip side to that is, with the endurance athletes, we've taken the research that says, okay, you need carbs right after your workout. And we've put right. that into physique athletes and physique athletes versus an endurance athlete. You'll see some endurance athletes with these long bouts of endurance training that mm -hmm. they will deplete a hundred percent or close to a hundred percent of their glycogen storage, Yeah. which for those of you who don't know what that is, that's your body's storage of carbohydrates that it uses. And it's very important for endurance athletes to refeed carbohydrates right after their activity. But then you look at a weightlifter and we say, okay, well, you're like at 50%. Right. Not as much. You've depleted 50%. So do you really need carbs? Maybe you should have some carbs, but maybe not as much carbohydrate after your workout. Right. And, yeah. you know, because the research is kind of taking things from one area and put it in another way, I think there's a lot of confusion there. And I do think that people think that, okay, well, I should do this because... I don't know. It just is that way. Yeah. And I also think, you know, we've, I, I know we'll get into the different levels of uh, performance and physique athletes, but a beginner performance athlete and a beginner physique competitor, or, you know, someone that's trying to, to, you know, change the physique is a very different level than someone that has, is an advanced performance athlete or an advanced competitor. Like there are pillars, in my opinion, as beginner, intermediate, and advanced. And as you grow within each of those performance and, um, you know, physique, you develop a greater sense of the nutrition that your body individually needs within that performance and um, physique circumstance or situation. So it, it even depends. It depends, even it depends. applies it always in depends. both. It always yeah. depends. When it comes to nutrition, the answer is always, well, it depends, right? Yeah. And we have to look at the big picture, just like we have to do with health. What is the big picture? What does your lab work look mm -hmm. like, right? We went over all that stuff. So let's talk about performance-based athletes and performance-based people. So Nicole, like you alluded to, uh, we're going to get into the beginner, intermediate, and advanced and you know where things really matter. The beginner is really kind of your everyday gym goer, 
-hmm. that is they're just cleaning up their food. They're starting to focus on macronutrients, getting adequate protein, adequate carbohydrates throughout the day. They're just now realizing maybe they're that person that came to us and they're like, I haven't been eating carbohydrates and I'm afraid of carbs, right? And we're just teaching them how to eat carbs and that it's okay and that they'll perform better because they will right. get stronger, right? And then we do need carbohydrates for people to get stronger. We do need carbohydrates for people to build muscle as well. So that is, that person is that beginner. Like you just want to get stronger. You want to feel better and you want to keep performance in mind. Like you're those people that are like, I, I want to get stronger. I want to be able to do a pull-up. I want to be able to do push-ups. Right. I want to be able to bench press more weight and mm -hmm. that that's beginner. Now though that individual I'd say is just really kind of cleaning up their meal plan mm -hmm. and just starting to say, okay, well, I'm going to drink more water. I'm going to eat more protein and more carbs. And I'm going to make sure that I'm getting adequate fat to um, support healthy hormones. Yeah. And just getting a taste of what it feels like to be in a small calorie surplus and how, that feels in terms of um, the things you just mentioned in terms of their gym goals, like hitting a PR or whatever it may be, when they start to actually increase and get into that little bit of a surplus and they start to experience what that feels like to be like, wow, eating more isn't going to make me gain weight and blow up. I'm actually feeling better and I'm performing better. And they, they have that kind of aha moment where they transition from being afraid of eating to actually eating and feeling the performance enhancement and getting really excited to be like, okay, now what? Like, what's the next level? Yeah. And then we get into intermediate where this is like your CrossFitter, your mm -hmm. hobby, I guess like hobbyist power lifter, uh, the person who wants to train for a Tough Mudder, a Spartan, Right. Maybe do a, I don't even know if a 5k is really enough to really warrant much aside from just training for it, but maybe you want to do a half marathon. Maybe you want to do a full marathon. Yeah. Well, if you've never done it before, maybe it's on your, your exercise bucket it's, list. It's on your bucket list. All your friends are doing it. So you're like, Hey, let's do it as a group. This is where a lot of um, team sports and group athletic performance becomes exciting because there's maybe a little bit of competition. There's some pressure, you know, now, it's fun. Here's what I'll say. And I, I think this is specific to uh, maybe just CrossFitters or powerlifters or really anybody. One of the questions I used to get from CrossFitters all the time, and I have, I got a buddy of mine that owned a CrossFit and, you know, we were creating a course to teach to these CrossFitters. And he was like, well, what, what about macronutrient distribution? Like it, a lot of people are asking me about keto mm -hmm. at the time. It was like keto kind of resurfaced. And he's like, are we going to create a macronutrient distribution for those people that want to do keto? And I said, absolutely not. And he's like, well, why not? And I'm like, well, because we're not in the business of doing things that people want just because they want it. We're in the business of doing things that are right for the individual and a CrossFitter or a power lifter or somebody who's trying to get stronger yeah. has no business doing a ketogenic diet. Mm -hmm. Right. And I'll say the way that CrossFit specifically is designed, one of the reasons why I said no is you've got a lot of time where your heart rate is elevated and mm -hmm. your body is going to want to source carbohydrates. So for those CrossFit athletes, they're just going to start losing muscle because they're going to go through gluconeogenesis where their body breaks down protein and creates carbohydrates. Mm -hmm. It's going to knock you right out of ketosis. So mm -hmm. they're, there, and this is where Nicole, where it gets to be like performance versus physique. 
if you are a crossfitter and you want to build a physique that like I want, I'm a crossfitter, but I want to look like Arnold Schwarzenegger. Then you know what? You have to train like him Mm -hmm. and you have to, you're not training for performance. You're training for physique and you eat for physique. You don't eat for physique and then do be a performance athlete. You're not going right. to eat in a deficit and be a performance athlete. You're not going to do keto and be a performance athlete. You're not going to. I, I don't know how like what else you don't. There's no other way to say it. That pretty much covers it. But you also have to. I think our listeners also have to keep in mind that this is the reason why I think these get so mixed up or so kind of muddied is that people co- go into a CrossFit with the intention to eat in a deficit and work harder. And that's when it's a perfect storm for disaster. And or there's the people that want to do physique that eat like they're performing in a marathon and they're maybe overeating when they should be in a deficit. Like all the crossovers, I guess. I don't know how else to say that, but all the mix and muddied up, like there has to be a, a goal a plan and a direction for exactly what you're trying to do in order to achieve the goal. Now, I also want to say that performance athletes have great physiques. Like we don't want to eliminate saying that they, they do for the performance that they're trying to achieve. Yes. Their physiques are more performance-based physiques than, you know, they're, they're built to perform. Now, the other thing that I want to point out, Nicole, I'm going to go back to the keto thing because okay, go ahead. <laughs> it, dro- it drove me nuts at the time. And to date, it still drives me nuts that like CrossFitters wanted to do keto. An athlete doing a ketogenic strategy or an athlete eating in a deficit, you put yourself at risk for injury. And I'll tell you why. Yes. OK, first and foremost, you, you don't want to be in a deficit because you can't perform at optimally in a deficit ever. The whole the, the keto thing. What's the first thing, Nicole, that you lose? When you lose weight on a ketogenic diet, what's the first thing that comes off? Water. Exactly. The first thing you lose is water weight. So you're losing glycogen, which you need to perform certain exercises and you don't have carbohydrate, but you're also losing water along with that glycogen. So now you're kind of dehydrated and you're losing minerals, electrolytes, right? Mm -hmm. So now you're kind of dehydrated Mm -hmm. and you're expected to do a power clean or a clean (laughs) and jerk, right? right? You can seriously hurt yourself. Right. It happens all the time. So it does. This is where I say, like, you don't eat like a bodybuilder or a physique athlete and do a performance sport. You want to eat to fuel your body. Now, listen, if you've got a few pounds that you need to take off and this is we'll get into now the advanced athletes, if you're Mm -hmm. an advanced athlete and you could benefit from shaving a few pounds off because that'll make you faster. Faster. Yeah. Right. Then that's fine. But you're going to have to do that on the off season. And you're going to have to make sure that you're, you know, you're doing it in a healthy way where, okay, cool. Now I'm going to go back up to maintenance. Now I'm going to go back up to surplus uh, and to perform it. And I'm going to go into surplus so that I don't gain that unwanted body fat. I'm going to go into, you know, small surplus when I'm trying to get stronger or when I'm trying to, or when I have an event, right. And I need to eat more Mm -hmm. calories to fuel for that. So yeah, Nicole, let's now get into the advanced athletes Mm -hmm. and advanced athletes are like your collegiate athletes high school Mm -hmm. athletes, like people that are really focused on specifics of what am I doing pre-workout? What am I doing Mm post-workout? What am I doing intra-workout? And Mm -hmm. BCAAs are not one of those things. Uh, What is going to be done intra-workout is going to be typically probably carbohydrates because you're Mm -hmm. depleting glycogen, especially if you're an endurance athlete. Yeah. If you are an explosive athlete, maybe a little bit less like a sprinter, 
or mm-hmm. a power lifter or Olympic lifter. Uh, what I will say is important for you guys in that area is creatine, which actually for this podcast, Nicole, I had to look up if creatine is approved uh, by the NCAA. Mm-hmm. And it actually is, which surprised yeah. me because really? Why? because listen, creatine is king when it comes to performance and it is a performance enhancer. Yeah, I know when your creatine storage is like it, and this goes both ways. Right. So for performance and for physique, physique athletes, like if you're looking to grow muscle or if you're looking to get stronger, then creatine all the way. And if yeah. you're a performance athlete that is in that realm where let's say you're a sprinter or you're a rower or you are a power lifter or Olympic lifter, if you're not taking creatine, I think you're doing a disservice to yourself and you should start supplementing with creatine five grams a day, creatine monohydrate. Don't buy the bullshit creatine that they try to sell <laughs> to you for 50 bucks for a 30 day supply. Creatine monohydrate is king in the research. That's what they use. That's what they found to be tried and true. Five grams a day, you will reach over 30 days. You will reach full muscle creatine saturation. And that is going to help to donate energy into that phosphatidin system that helps with your bouts of 10 seconds or less of activity, which is why it's good for these specific types of athletes. I, I mean, that's pretty much it, right? For in terms of performance. Performance, yeah. The unique thing to the advanced athletes, the more advanced athletes is they're going to already have their shit together, hopefully, right. in terms of what they're eating and how they're how they're performing. And it's OK, well, how to how do I get that extra edge? And that's where nutrient timing is going to come in. And we're going to really kind of dive into specifics of pre and post workout nutrition with these athletes. Then we dive into physique. And Nicole, we've got beginner and intermediate and advanced. And we've already kind of somewhat gone over yeah. the physique athletes, but a beginner and intermediate, we're going to group together, which that is your consistent gym goer looking to take it to the next level. Maybe they've got some program design flaws and maybe they've got some nutrition flaws that need to be worked on mm-hmm. and we need to kind of clean it up. I think one of the biggest things that we talk about when it comes to physique athletes is total protein quantity for the day yeah. and then uh, protein feeding frequencies and how much protein you're distributing between that. I like to say, hey, let's distribute protein evenly. And Nicole, it's interesting. Uh, I actually thought about this as a potential uh, grad school thesis because we don't really have much research to say if we're eating a small amount of protein and a big amount of protein and a small amount of protein, like if our meals are unevenly distributed versus evenly distributing. And I'm really curious to know if there can be research done that shows if you evenly distribute your protein throughout the day, like let's say you're having 40 but grams, wouldn't that 40 not grams. work though, because if you're having the same total amount of protein throughout the day, like if you eat 180 grams of protein and I eat 180 grams of protein and you eat it in big and small and big and small. And I eat it in all big or all small. That's the same amount of protein per day. Well, and the same amount of feeding frequencies, but let's also kind of highlight the fact that let's say you're eating 50 grams and 50 grams is above your threshold of what your body can utilize in that meal. I want to see that. I want to see match matched for protein consistently throughout the day versus unevenly distributed is one going to be more optimal. Listen, the answer could be to your point. The answer could be, no, it doesn't matter. And you just need to have the frequency there and you have to have the total amount of protein. You could be right. 
I'm just curious to see what yeah. that what from that, a research standpoint, from a yeah. research standpoint. But what we do know is protein feeding frequency is important and total protein for the day. That's going to be first and foremost. So if you're looking to build a physique, that's going to come first. Now, carbohydrates, you're going to need to drive. I think even in physique, I think carbohydrates get a bad rap and we forget oh, that. Oh, absolutely. We think, oh, well, carbs equal fat storage. Okay. Well, yep. carbs also equal glycogen storage, which is important for bodybuilding training. You do exactly. use some glycogen, not as much as an endurance athlete, but you do use some glycogen. And insulin is also important for driving amino acids into your muscle. So if you want to absorb some of the protein or utilize some of the protein that you're eating, you're going to need insulin for that. In fact, yeah. there's an insulin response when you consume amino acids and some amino acids will cause a greater, like we know that leucine causes a greater insulin response than some other amino acids. So when you're eating protein, there's still an insulin response, not as large as carbohydrates, but it's still there. And also certain minerals are driven into the muscle by insulin. So carbohydrates are important for building a physique. Maybe you'll cut down a little bit on them when you're in a deficit, but you're still going to eat them. Yeah. Unless you're doing a keto strategy. Now, listen, I'm not opposed to physique athletes doing keto to be in a deficit and to drop body fat. But what I will say is you're going to have a very difficult, and there is research to support this. You're going to have a very difficult time building muscle. And it's more optimal for you to build muscle in a small calorie surplus, including carbohydrates, than it will be uh, consuming primarily fat and virtually no carbohydrates. Yeah, but that's why I think they can get away with it more because not only are they in a deficit and they're not, and there's an expectation to just maintain their muscle and not lose muscle or gain muscle, that it becomes acceptable. And let's be honest, their performance in a deficit, if it's as great as it normally is for the advanced physique, you know, competitor, their performance goes down. Like even, even from a lift standpoint, they can't lift as much when they're in that much of a deficit and they're just trying to maintain muscle. Well, they're cutting down so much. So that's the thing, Nicole, when we talk about advanced performance athlete, sports athlete right. versus advanced physique athlete, the difference is on game day yeah. right? and game day for a physique athlete being the competition on stage, your performance right. is at, at its absolute worst versus a performance athlete, right? You have to be well rested. You have to yeah. be fully fed. You've got yeah, to be fully hydrated. You've got to be ready to go. Exactly. And you need to do that in weeks and months and days leading up to you need to train in that surplus so that you're performing well and getting stronger leading up to the event. And then mm -hmm. I'm sure there's some rest period, depending on what, what kind of athlete you are. Right. Yeah. I, I know that power lifters will be like, all right, cool. Like I'm going to deload and then I'm going to be strong the day of there's a big difference there. Right. And to say mm -hmm. that, okay, I'm going to be an athlete and you know, you're not going to perform in a deficit. You're uh, when you're a physique athlete, you're on stage and you're at your worst. You're dehydrated. You're tired. You've been doing a ton of cardio. You've been in a big deficit, mm -hmm. right? It's, it's highly restrictive. You can't perform this way. This is just to look good. And I think people oftentimes get the misconception. I think that there's, there's a healthy level of body fat for performance athletes that they need more body fat than a physique athlete, right? If you're trying yeah. to perform better, stop trying to look like a physique athlete. Well, so see, this is where I go back to the healthy nutrition, the, like way at the beginning of this conversation is if you are not healthy, meaning you have some body fat, like people don't walk around 
ripped, lean, shredded, and stage ready all the time. That's it's such a myth. And it really needs to just go away. Having a little bit of body fat is healthy. Too much, too little. It's like the whole Goldilocks. We know we can't have too much or too little. It has to be just right, which is why healthy is all about balance. Then performance is you still want a healthy amount of body fat to perform. Physique athletes in in an advanced strategy, they are looking to get rid of as much body fat as possible so that they could just exist, exist for a moment on stage. But I also think that a lot of our, a lot of female clients, the reason why I I love this topic, and I mean, I could go on and on, we could talk for hours about this, many clients, and I would say, especially female, simply because that's more of what I work with, come in with a mindset of what they want to look like, a a program design and a nutrition strategy of what they think they should do to get there. And then a lifestyle and habit and behavior that doesn't match any of them. (laughs) Like it's really jumbled and all over the place. And the goal for hiring a coach is to help create the strategy to achieve what your mental goal is or what you want to look like when it comes to physique or maybe how you want to perform in terms of the goals that you're trying to achieve, uh, you know, in the gym in terms of PRs and things like that. Ultimately, my best clients are the ones that have a little bit of all three of the markers that we're describing. They are healthy in their definition of health. They perform well in the gym and they have a physique that is something that they are proud of. I don't think it's inappropriate to say that you can have kind of a little bit of each of those, hopefully all healthy, <laughs> a little bit of performance and a, and a physique that you're happy with. And you can exist and live in what I call maintenance phase, which is what I would define that as, and live your best life. And then you're shifting maybe between cutting a bit and getting your physique a little tighter when you want to and building a bit and performance when you want to and just maintaining health throughout each of those cycles. So that's just my vision for my clients. And on that fabulous note, we're going to leave it right there for you guys and let you know that if you enjoyed this episode, click subscribe, give us five stars, write a review, share it with a friend, and you'll hear us next week. 